Hi, I'm Alex Bellinger and this is Small Biz Pod on Friday the 14th of December. Well, this week I've got an interview with Charlie Bigham of Bigham's, a food manufacturer. Fascinating to hear how he got started uh, with his uh, exotic range of uh, easy-to-cook, ready-prepared meals. And uh, interesting discussion on funding, on how to deal with really big customers like supermarkets and indeed really demanding customers like supermarkets. Lots to learn for any of us with demanding clients. And you can't get much more demanding than um, some of the big supermarkets. So uh, interesting interview with Charlie coming up. And also uh, some great music. And the usual roundup of... uh, one or two comments and uh, feedback from Frapper Maps and Facebook and so on and so forth. But first of all, I'd like to say a big thank you to Sage, who are continuing to sponsor Small Biz Pod. Sage, as you know, are the, one of the leading uh, suppliers of uh, accountancy software for well, SMEs and uh, larger companies alike. Uh, but they do a lot more than that too. And they've got, I know, 700,000 small business customers in the UK and provide advice on health and safety and support in terms of software, in terms of uh, customer relationship management and a, a whole range of other business uh, services. So thanks ever so much, Sage, for supporting Small Biz Pod. And thanks to all of you out there for, for continuing to listen. Uh, numbers are going up all the time, which is always nice. Do keep spreading the word, getting the word out there. It all helps. It all helps keep uh, um, the, the show going, the motivation high. And uh, so thank you all very much for that. Uh, and incidentally, um, I'm hoping in the new year, rather than me just plugging Sage every now and then on the podcast, to be able to do some very short, snappy interviews with um, someone at Sage giving you some really practical, uh, useful advice to, to start up some business owners, business owners out there on um, specific topics related perhaps to finance or accounting or, or other small business issues. So something short and snappy and uh, uh, I think you'll 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 find those actually quite useful. So I'm looking forward to getting those done in the new year. So without further ado, let's go straight into the interview with Charlie Bigham. Okay, well on today's episode of Small Biz Pod, um, I'm very pleased to have with me uh, one of Britain's successful food entrepreneurs, um, and he is Charlie Bigham of. Uh, the uh well unsurprisingly of biggums perhaps so uh charlie welcome to the show thank you very much now tell us that your your uh biggums is a uh, basically sort of convenience food but at the higher end isn't it tell us a little bit about about why biggums started and, and what kind of niche it was fulfilling well i guess i started i think quite like quite a lot of uh, of um businesses start i started as a frustrated consumer yeah and that uh in, in days gone by, I was a management consultant. I, I had a reasonably busy life. Yeah. I love food, love cooking, um, but didn't have time to, to, to cook from scratch uh, seven days a week, yeah. uh, even if I wanted to. Yeah. So I was kind of looking for something, uh, someone out there to give me a helping hand. Um, but at the time, before I started, the only food that was really available uh, widely was, was microwave food. Yes. Um, kind of very, you know, laden with nasty chemicals, very mm. processed. And um, I didn't own a microwave. In fact, I still don't own, own a microwave. So I thought I'd kind of try and do something which was 
um, fresh, unprocessed, and, and delicious, and, and, and would appeal to, I, I, I hope, to a few other people like me who, who yeah. wanted great food, but sometimes, you know, wanted a bit quicker. And um, yeah, I mean, I remember the days when, when, uh, when those kind of ready meals uh, that you put in microwaves are kind of sort of ice lolly shaped blocks of orange curry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which really nice, were really yeah. very unpleasant indeed. Still, quite a lot of them around. Well, actually. there are, but things have moved. Things have moved on um, quite a lot, and I mean, there's a, 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 a it's a pretty competitive um, market. The the, the 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 ready meals market. Would you call yourself a ready meal? I mean, big no, I'd be really it. depressed. I'd get really depressed when people say we're a yeah. ready meal. Um, there isn't a, there isn't a neat label we can put put on our food and call yeah. it something else. I mean, sometimes people use this terminology, which I actually dislike as well, called ready to cook. Right. But I suppose it's a bit more descriptive. But I mean, really, what we're about as as a business is just making food that tastes great, um, but you know, is a little bit quicker, a yeah. little bit quicker to prepare. I mean, it's a bit like because uh, I actually, I've actually, I I admit now, I have um, shopped through a cardo and had your meals before I knew I was going to be interviewing you. Not as any, Fantastic. not as any kind of research. <laughs> But uh, in in real real consumer situation, um, and it's uh, I guess it's a bit like having the if you imagine a working in a restaurant, it's a bit like having the sous chef do all the prep. <laughs> well, it was it, you know the original model. It was the inspiration came from uh, I, I suppose you know three areas. One was the frustrated consumer that I talked about yeah. just now. Um, the second um, was travel. Um, because I, I, I'm fortunate enough to have traveled quite a lot, and mm. uh, you know. And, and, and for most people in the world, a quick a quick meal is not a kind of nightmare thing you put in a microwave, mm. but actually it's a handful of fresh ingredients tossed into a hot pan on the side of the road. Yeah. And, and you've got some great, some of the most delicious food I've ever eaten, you know, is there yeah, in yeah. two minutes. Yeah, yeah. And so that was the other bit that kind of travel was inspiration. And then the third bit was saying, well, actually, kind of, let's look at the restaurant model. What do restaurants do? And as, as you, you know, rightly, rightly say, um, you know, restaurants do this do this bit of magic in the morning. Yeah. Uh, called mise en place. They do all the preparation, and yeah. so when when we as punters go in and you know order lots of complicated things, they're not cooking actually completely from scratch. They they they've got a head start already, and they yeah. they toss they toss things together into an oven or a pan or whatever, and yeah. it's on the table in fifteen minutes rather than forty five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. If things are going well. <laughs> Indeed. Um. Now. Relatively speaking, it's quite an old, it's quite a quite a well established. I wouldn't say old, but well established business, isn't it? You started in '96. Yeah, no, we, we've just we've just clocked 11 years. Yeah, um, which was which is which is which is great, and you know, I think I think it's always it's um, you know it, it it's tough it's tough to to to, to keep to keep to, to set up and run and keep any business going and still vibrant and fresh, which I hope we we are mm. and growing, mm. which we are. And um, so I'm very proud that 11 years on, we're still there, and uh, we certainly haven't run out of steam. We, we've got, we're, we're just, we're still only scratching at the surface. Yeah. What do you do after 11 years to, to keep that vibrancy, to keep that motivation? I mean, both both personally as an entrepreneur and um, as a as a leader of a business. Um. Well, I mean, I think for us, for us, you know, right at the core of of what we do as a business is is innovation. So we we launch, you know, we, we're always coming up with new ideas. I've got yeah. a fantastic team of uh, chefs here who work on developing new recipes. I get mm. very involved in that myself, mm. tasting, you know, you know, ten, twenty new things a week. 
and, and, and we're launching, if you like, in, in our terminology from our big production kitchen. You know, we launch, um, you know, probably on average three or four new things every week. Yeah. So, uh, so there's not much chance for, for, for boredom. <laughs> right. And I suppose the other, the other side, you know, on, so that, that's if you like on the, 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 the product side, yes. to use a word I'm not very keen on, but the food yeah. side. Yeah, yeah. And then on the other side, um, you know, being a growth business, we've always got new people um, mm. joining the team, uh, bringing kind of fresh energy and, um, and fresh ideas. Yeah. Now, you're, of course, in an interesting market in terms of who you're... I mean, obviously, your ultimate customer is uh, is 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 you and me and uh, mm. ordinary punters. But you, your your kind of uh, direct customer is the intermediary that is the supermarket. Yeah. Um. And uh, there aren't very many of them, and uh, mm. you hear a lot of nightmare nightmares from various suppliers about how much uh, how difficult supermarkets are to handle. Um. How how much they screw down uh, in terms of price. Uh, various suppliers. How how have you found uh, maintaining relationships with those those big supermarket players. Well, I think uh, you know it's sad to say. I think a lot of those stories are true. Yeah. Um, I think I think um, there are lots of supermarkets out there who treat suppliers very badly, um, who who say they're food businesses, but actually you know it, it's really all just a commodity. They don't have an interest in, in food, whether, whether that's the yeah. The taste the taste aspects of it or the health aspects of it it's actually just all about selling more and more at a higher and higher margin and all the problems that, that come with that mm. we're really fortunate in that you know there are a couple of exceptions um and and we work very closely with one of those exceptions waitrose for yeah. 11 years now yeah and and they have a slightly different approach uh, it, it serves them well and their business is, is growing and doing well um, and you know, hats off to them. Hats off to them, you know, for for, for sticking to a set of principles. Mm. And also, you know, hats off to them selfishly to an extent, but but for taking a bit of a punt. You know, when we started, it was literally it was just me ringing up the switchboard saying I've got an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, and they were, you know, they were prepared to take take the risk and work with someone who'd never run a food business before. Yeah. Didn't know what he was talking about, but <laughs> kind of had a bit of an idea. And yeah. They'd take the punt with that, and yeah. you know, I think all credit to them. Uh, and that that going back to that um you know that, that those early days and i mean it's so so often um large what uh, brands in the kind of retail i mean food food is retail i guess um but the you know large consumer brands um are born out of you know one individual's uh, idea and and initial production in their own kitchen or i was talking the other mm. day to will king who founded King of Shaves, um, and he was making the product in his kitchen, you know, not a food product, but, you know, it goes from, uh, you know, one man or woman in a kitchen to large business. How yeah. did that, I mean, did, how did you make that move? I mean, does, does Waitrose suddenly phone you up and say, these meals are great, we want 10,000, and then you think, oh, shit. <laughs> or how does that work? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I started on my kitchen table at home um, as well. It's a great place to start, and I, I, I'm... I, I, I'm, I subscribe um, to the old um, kind of business model, if you like, pre-internet days, yeah. when rather than kind of raise a bunch of cash and see, you know, how quickly you can burn through yeah, it, yeah. you kind of start with, you know, you start small and learn as you go along. Yeah. Um, so, so we started small, very small, just me on the kitchen table, and have grown. And, and I guess what served me very well is 
the fact that I was a management consultant before, yeah. um, I kind of was used to planning. I, I used to write business plans for other people. Mm. Um, and it's all about planning. It's all about planning. And, and, and so, yes, we have had some big step changes when we went. I think the first one was when we went from three people to 25 people overnight yeah. and, and, you know, increased our uh, capacity and, you know, what we, were, what we were putting on a daily basis by whatever, I don't know, you know 10 yeah. times or yeah, something yeah, silly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just about planning, you know, and if, if you, if you and, and I was lucky, I'd, I'd, had, I'd had the discipline of writing plans and planning for other people mm. and, uh, and so I was able to use some of that for myself. Yeah. Now, um, that step, those step changes, did they occur in anticipation of increased orders or in anticipation of creating an increased demand? Um, well, it's a kind of, you know, it, it's a it's difficult a one. Egg, I mean, we're, it? we, yeah, it, it's chicken and egg. I mean, you know, we're, we're lucky. I mean, it goes back to, you know, our, our, our relationship with not just Waitrose, other customers as well, but yeah. in particular Waitrose is, you know, before we, you know, in the big step changes we, we've made, which, you know, most of them tend to, to go with moving moving to a new building and, and the capital investment and everything that goes with that. Yeah. The first thing we've always da- done is sit down with our customers and say, we're thinking about doing this, what do you reckon? Yeah, yeah. Um, because if they're not committed in some, in some you know, in, in some form or another yeah. to, 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 w- to what your plan is... Um, then you know you might find yourself in trouble. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Does that worry you sometimes that uh, that you 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 have kind of one large supermarket customer? Um, yeah, it does of, to an extent. I mean, yeah. with my consultant's hat on, you know, it, it, you you should always spread your risk, um, and and um, it, it's dangerous to have a large percentage of your business with with one person. The nature of the food industry, and if you've if you've chosen as we we have to to do to to do most of your you know if you like your distribution through the multiple retailers, yeah, um, there are very few of them, yeah. Um, so you can't you can't spread your risk ever that thinly. You no. can't deal with all of them <laughs> yeah. because of compa- compa- competition issues. Yeah, most people find. So you have to have your your eggs in quite a small number of baskets yes. and yep. there are quite a lot of people uh, as we've done who've chosen to rather than spread it around two or three of them is actually to focus on one and, and work really in close partnership with them yes uh, it's all about trust and, and yep. you know we you know once you've hopefully once you've been working with someone for, for, uh, for a number of years you build up that trust and that partnership and um, you know there's a risk but there's a risk in going down the other way and, and, and not being in partnership with anyone. Yeah, no, true. I mean, you, you clearly, after 11 years, have developed a, an incredibly strong relationship with an important customer. And, and, and ultimately, you know, any business, even, even, if they ha- even if they have multiple customers, still wants to achieve that kind of level of relationship with each of them. I think so. And as long as you're not complacent about it and are always looking to do, you know, better on each new dish you launch yeah. um, each year, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you just got to avoid complacency. Um, obviously, you are, it's quite interesting because there are quite a lot of management consultants or people in those kind of consulting roles who have either subsequently gone into um, kind of uh, board or director level at, uh, you know, at businesses in action or go out and set up their own businesses. Um 
what did you because obviously to a certain extent um there's a certain amount of theory and practice what 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 did you learn when you actually started your running started running your own business that kind of surprised you that you weren't expecting from the the more the slightly more theoretical end as it were of, of being a management consultant was there anything well, I think that it's kind probably of... more it's more of a question of what I didn't learn. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah, the real world is where you learn things. Yeah, and, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Consultancy is yeah. great. Yeah. And, and and I mean I still, you know, I still use some of the theory I learned, gosh, however many years ago it was. Yeah. It, it's still a it's still a bedrock and I'm really, you know, I, I kind of stumbled into it as a as a job because I didn't know what to do after university and someone said this would be a good idea and I kind of, you know, yeah. offered me a job and it just kind of happened as yeah. it often does yeah but um hey you learn I, I suppose when you're when you're running your own business um you learn an awful lot about managing people yeah um you know both both good and tough yeah um side but that's that's to me endlessly fascinating yeah um and and, and for me I, I i've learned i've learned an awful lot about making things uh, which again i find really really fascinating mm Mm. Um, you know, uh, uh, and obviously management consultants don't do do much no. on, on the making side. No, I have... uh, and, and on the people side, I think they can probably be sometimes, you know, bulls <laughs> in china shops. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I think um, I think many of us have been uh, been on the receiving end of consultants <laughs> once or twice yeah. in organisations. Um, okay, uh, now obviously you. You're kind of uh, always, I mean, in terms of you've already talked about how you innovate, how you're always looking for new uh, foods and styles to keep things fresh and to keep um, the interest of customers, both, you know, the, the, the supermarket intermediary and the, 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 the man and woman in the street. Do you see your role in part as actually shaping the nation's taste or are you responding to changing tastes? Well, it sounds. I, I always get a bit worried about this because it sounds kind of very arrogant, or I don't know, too big for our boots, or whatever. But but I I have a really passionate belief that in in this country um, there are quite a lot of people eating food that they don't really want to be eating, but they're just yeah. kind of told by advertising, told that we have to eat cheap food, and it's all about cheap, 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 so, mm. and, and it's just wrong. Um, you know, everyone, you know, for, for, for the majority of us who live, live in the UK, um, unfortunately not quite everyone, but the majority of us are, are reasonably well off. Yeah. And, you know, we're not going to starve and we have a choice of where we spend our disposable income. You know, as a nation, we've spent less and less money, um, you know, every year as a percentage of our disposable income on food. And yeah. I just think that's wrong because food is one of the great, pleasures in life it's a time you know especially if you can sit down and share it with friends yeah. family whatever yeah. it's it, it's fantastic we eat you know several times a day and it, it, it just i find it hugely depressing that people are told that it's all about being cheap and then cheap means tends to mean processed which means unhealthy and which means you know mm. obesity problems and whatever and it's just not necessary it's yeah. not necessary and i think actually if people if, if there was a counter movement, which we try to be part of, which is saying, just pay a bit more, mm. you know, it's got to be good value for money, not, not about ripping people off, mm. but pay a bit more and actually get something that isn't, 
you know, food as fuel, is food for enjoyment. Yeah. And probably, you know, you're going to get some health benefits from it. We don't set out to be, you know, make health claims about our food. But I know, you know, because, you know, our customers ring us up, they say, God, you know, it's so healthy. We've got all these, everything's fresh and it's lean yeah. and yeah. really high quality and there's fresh vegetables and fresh herbs. And, you know, it kind of, it's just kind of common sense. If, if if you use high quality fresh ingredients, which we do, yeah. and you don't mess around with them, but you make them fresh and get them out the door, um, so people can eat, you know eat them eat them within a, within a day or two, yeah. um, you, you just end up with an inherently um, better quality of food. Yeah, so that's what we're about. That's on me on my me on my soapbox. I like a bit of high horse is good. <laughs> um, and finally. Uh, People always ask about money. You, you've, I suspect your your financial growth has been relatively organic and based around orders. Um, I know initially you had difficulty getting uh, funding from from the banks, uh, who, yeah, who are, who are somewhat risk averse, or they probably were more risk averse in '96 than they are now. Although probably actually, bearing in mind what's going yeah, on, yeah, I think got, the cycle we're we're, we're, just we're coming, coming back, aren't we? Cycle, yeah. <laughs> They're not going to want to lend money to anyone. No, no know, because it's... they've because they've messed up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we we we're, we're back. We're probably back to to for for businesses in terms of funding back to how it was in '96, so ten years on. And there, there is an argument that these things go in those kind of ten year cycles. But um, have you? What have you done in terms of funding? Has it all been based around you know sales, or uh, have you have you? borrowed or have you ha, have you dealt with that in, uh, have you have you brought on uh, equity partners How, how's it worked well we have we have self-funded and we you know largely we haven't we haven't I, you know haven't got any external partners and I, and I like that because that gives us the freedom um, to do what we want um, yeah. for the long term and what I find exciting about working you know in this business still is it's all about a long term you know and yeah. it's a privately owned company we're not answerable for short-term quarterly results, you know, we set yeah. ourselves targets, and, and you know, we're, we're ambitious. Yeah. But if we need to make a decision that's right for the long term and may cost us in the short term, we'll always make the long term decision. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's important to me, and 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 you know, keeping keeping uh, the um, some of the external people, I think, has helped in that. Yeah. Um, maybe there'll be a role for them in the future. I don't know because there's a different, you know, different things are, are, are right for different times of any business. Mm. Um, uh, we've been very fortunate. You know, we have a very good relationship with, with our bank. Um, and we've been with them, you know, from the start. And I, you know, I think the kind of what you're meant to do as a small business, um, owner or manager or whatever is, is, is to kind of slag off your bank a bit and say, oh, God, they're just difficult. And they were, you know, to begin with, I had a negative experience with banks because yeah. they had an open account, which struck me as ludicrous. Yeah. But actually, I can't remember, I don't know if you, I can say, you know, say who they are. Or yeah, I mean, want. that's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were, you know, it is kind of NatWest, which became RBS. And, and, yeah. and, I, and I have to say, they've been proactive, you know, creative in coming up with solutions that work for us and and so when we've made you know big investments yeah. we've got quite a lot on lease finance um yeah yeah and and they've been they've been helpful and, and i you know hats off to them yeah. I, I think they've, they've managed us well as a customer i think uh, i i have to here <laughs> put in a disclaimer too at this point in that i used to work for rbs natwest in their corporate comms department as some people know uh, i didn't uh, but um what i was going to say was i think most banks um 
uh, once once they see a business is you know very viable and very you know and is profitable um, are, are are a lot more confident in terms of um, providing more detailed and creative help. Yeah, I think it's you know inevitably inevitably at the, the you wouldn't expect banks to to necessarily um, uh, be take terribly risky decisions on startups or pre startups, but that's a kind of slightly different issue. Anyway. Yeah. Um, what about the future? Uh, what are your are you have you kind of reached a point in terms of the in terms of the overall ambition of the business where it's you know it's it's uh, structured increments to to growth or or are you planning you know global domination? What's the what's the deal? How are you how are you working it? Um, well, I, I like I like the business to grow um, because if the business is growing, it kind of is delivering for me in terms of a stimulating environment. So yeah, it's, it's delivering for the team I work with because all the people we recruit, and we're always, you know, if anyone listening who's looking for a, a job in a stimulating environment, do get us in, in touch with us. Yeah, you know, go to our website and drop us an email. We're always looking for great people, and a promise I make to people when they join us is. Um, is you know we're going to give you a, a stimulating, challenging environment, and I know I can do that if we're growing. Yes. So we need to be growing. It's not growth for growth's sake. I mean, there are advantages of growing. We're relatively small in scale in our sector. Yeah. So there are some you know, kind of we we, we become more efficient as we grow as yes. well. But it's not just going for the hell of it. And and I would far rather have a smaller, better business, you know, making less money than than a than a you know business which was delivering global domination that I wasn't proud of. Yeah. Um, so it's it's yeah we want to grow but not just for the sake of it. Okay, um, Charlie, thanks ever so much for talk- spending time talking to me today. Um, uh, another fascinating insight, I think, into uh, into a growing business. A pleasure, Eric. Well, uh, I really enjoyed that interview with Charlie. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. And uh, certainly a, a man, an entrepreneur who who's not um, uh, releasing or relinquishing the values that uh, that he held dear in terms of food, which uh, inspired him to set up his business in the first instance. So that's always, uh, I think, really um, gratifying and encouraging to to a- any entrepreneur and any business owner. Um, and even more gratifying to see that, you know, from the last 10, 11 years, uh, Charlie's business has been growing and growing and growing. I, I know they've got something like uh, projections to turn over some, in the region of fifty million pounds sterling uh, by twenty twelve. So, uh, a healthy, medium sized business doing very well based on sound principles. So, um, thanks for that, Charlie. And let's just quickly say. One or two uh, hellos to people who've signed up to the Frapper map. Now, I may have covered uh, one or two of these before. I can't remember now. Um, but uh, C. Ashworth jogging cross country through the uh, uh, the uh, well through the the woods of somewhere. I'm not sure quite where you are from, C. Ashworth. But thanks for signing up to the Frapper map. The Frapper map's just that little place where you can put a little marker in the map to say where you are, who you who you are where you're listening from, and a, a photo if you, if you fancy. Other than that, uh, Facebook, the Facebook group, uh, if you click on the Facebook button on the Small Biz Pod homepage, uh, that is uh, now 140 people already, uh, uh, members of the Facebook group. Uh, Facebook's really nice and easy and uh, to use, uh, as long as you're, you know, just don't put all of your personal information on there. 
Um, it's uh, a great place, and Small Biz Pod is a site on Facebook. So if you're already on Facebook, check us out and uh, link to it. You can even listen to the show. So we've got a little Facebook player, uh, not a Facebook player, Small Biz Pod player on there. Now, excuse me, as you can probably tell, I've got a, a, a pre-Christmas cold, which I'm kind of quite pleased about because normally I get them actually at Christmas. So I'm, uh, I'm pleased that I've got it out of the way. But forgive me if I sound a little bit um, strange in this podcast. But what I was going to say was... Uh, uh, thank you to all of the people who uh, took part in the survey, the Small Biz Pod survey. That actually closed towards the end of November. But I will be announcing in the next show, which is likely to be Friday next week, uh, the uh, winner of the 16 gigabyte iPod Touch. So there we are. I haven't forgotten. And somebody will win as a kind of Christmas present. Uh, and a thank you from uh, Small Biz Pod. Uh, they will win an iPod Touch. So there we are. Other than that, do uh, check out the blog. Uh, we've added a, a news section if you're interested in small business news. Uh, there's a, a news element. Uh, and the, the bloggers are still doing a great job on marketing and finance and technology. So if those are topic areas that interest you, then do head on over to the blog, smallbizpod.co.uk forward slash blog. Now, as we're in the uh, festive season already, I thought this week's music should have a, uh, a title. It was appropriate for the season, so snowflaking. But I, ironically, it's by uh, a, a guy called Jimmy Polar. Really nice, chilled piece of uh, sort of Hammond Rhodesy organ style, housey stuff. It's good. You stay tuned to listen to it. Snowflaking, snowflakes around Christmas. Ironically, it's this is from um, a label in Australia, which of course don't get any. It doesn't get any snow, to my knowledge, at Christmas. So uh, yeah, thanks to Future Classic and Ioda Promenet for this. And as I say, this is snowflaking by Jimmy Polar. <laughs> 